0: Be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My poor little children
1: will one day live in a nation where they
0: will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day. every hill and mountain shall be made low the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the goal of the Lord shall be revealed and all the shall see it together this is our hope this is a faith that I go back to the south with with this faith we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of gold with this faith Be able to sing with new meaning. My country tears at thee. Yeah. Sweet land of liberty, be our same. Land It's
2: uh, Max Maxwell. Thanks for joining me here on these difficult times our nation is facing right now. And I decided to do a live tonight. And most people are probably wondering, why me? And my response to that was, why not? I think nobody is allowed to sit this one out. Justice needs to prevail and everybody needs to be involved. Uh, my platform has never been about me. My platform is was to hold me accountable and it grew into something bigger and I don't know why, but the reality is I don't need to know why. I have a responsibility to talk about topics that are pressing our community, especially as a black man and a black entrepreneur. It is my responsibility to speak so that everybody can hear and take this platform and move forward. But my goal tonight in this conversation, we can't breathe is to hear about things that we need to do action items so that we can move forward to solve this repeated problem that happens over and over and over again. So when this broadcast ends, I hope you get some action item steps to move forward to help start to solve this problem. Now I know I won't be able to solve this problem in one stream or one live or one video. So my team and I have dedicated to make this into a series and we'll bring in new hosts and new guests every single time to continue this conversation. How do we fix this problem? How do we end systemic racism, police brutality, and how do we get justice for everybody in the system? Now talking about the system, my guests tonight are going to help us understand the system because many people say, The system is broken. We need to fix the system. And my guests tonight are experts in their field. And to my left here is Bobby Kimbrough, who is 36 years in law enforcement, 22 years as a federal agent. And now he is the first black sheriff of the county I live in, and he's in charge of a law enforcement organization of 650 people. Also to my left is Derek Gray. He's a former district attorney in the county that I am from. And he's also a practicing attorney that specializes in criminal defense attorney. And these two guys with their expertise in law enforcement and their expertise in the justice system are going to, we're gonna learn from them tonight. I'm gonna learn from them and you're gonna learn from them. We're gonna learn, how the system works and things that we need to do and things that they observed over their combined four plus decades of law enforcement and justice experience on action items that we need to take and changes that need to happen today so that we can move beyond this. So please welcome my guests, Bobby Kimbrough and Derek Gray.
3: Thank you for having me, Max, thank you.
2: So okay. I appreciate you taking the time out and I know you. this is not easy for you as a sitting sheriff to, to just come on on my platform because I'm nobody. Right. And and, and, You're and somebody to me. Well, I appreciate that. But this is not scripted. This is just a conversation that most of us have off the record anyways. You know, when I first met you years ago, I had pressing questions for you about law enforcement. And before you became the sheriff of the county, I had pressing questions for you then. And, and I believe you had all the right answers. And I know Derek for a while as well. And him. I've known him from the district attorney's office. And I always had pressing questions about his job. So I'm leaning on you two tonight to, to 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 shed some light on your experience in the justice system and the law enforcement system, so and 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 echo some changes that you want to see and that things that you can help us. So so starting with you, Bobby, I want to give you an opportunity to maybe introduce yourself and kind of kind of tell people where you where you sit in this current situation here.
3: Well, like I say, first of all, I want to thank you for having me here this evening. Um, as you said, uh, I spent twenty plus years as special agent with the federal government. Mm-hmm. Uh, U.S. Department of Justice. I spent uh, several years as a state agent, um, police officer where I began my career. But What I say every time I have this conversation, before I was the sheriff, before I was a special agent, before I was a state officer, before I was a local officer, I was a black child, yeah. a black man. And even after all this is done and I'm alone sitting in the sheriff's position, I still will be a black man. I have black sons. All seven of my boys are African-American. People don't know who I am if I'm not in Forsyth County. If I'm five counties over, they see a black man. So one of the things that I have promised myself is that I will speak truth. You know, as an agent, I had to be careful what I said, because if I said something that was incongruent with what I was told or what was the system, I could be disciplined as a special agent. Also, I could be arrested for discussing classified or top secret information. As a police officer, if I said something was out of line, I could be disciplined as that catch-all conduct on becoming. But as an elected official, I answer to the people, I answer to God, and so, That is how I live my life. Mm -hmm. You know, you come to a place in life where all I know, I've seen more years than I'm going to see. And so when you ask me to be a part of this, even before this, this is not trending to me. I've been having this conversation since I retired in 2015, 2016. I've been talking about how do we change the system? I believe in peaceful protest. Make no mistake about it. I believe in that. But now, how do we change the system? How do we do some of the things that we need done to change police reform, to get these things? You and I have talked about them for years. Uh, As a matter of fact, one of the things that we're currently talking about in this state is, as we talked about earlier, we're talking about accountability, the commission of accountability. And basically what that is, is that in every state, in every state in the United States, the top law enforcement person in that state is the attorney general.
2: Correct. So in North Carolina, that, that would be Josh Stein.
3: Without question, it would be Mr. Stein, Josh Stein, right? Every state, um, as a matter of fact, in Minnesota, is Mr. He, Ellison, Mr. Ellison Mr. Yeah. who brother is Eric, Eric Ellison, who I know well. is yeah. a practicing attorney here. Correct. My point is this, <clears throat> is that if the top cop in every state is the AG, up under that AG, you could create what is known as a commission of accountability. What that commission of accountability would do, so for an example, every time there's a complaint lodged against a particular law enforcement professional, right? That commission could have it to where that report and that incident had to be logged in, mandated to log in to the commission of accountability. Now once an agency or an individual got so many, the AG or the commission could at minimum send a letter from the AG's office saying, based on the reporting, your agency, or this individual has had X number of complaints. Mm -hmm. For example, you and I were talking about what happened in um, Minneapolis, right? And how many did you say?
2: I believe the the, the cop had, the police officer had 17 incidents
3: or so in 19 years of law enforcement okay so just imagine if you had a commission of accountability after so many that person that officer that agency would have been notified and put on notice the commission would have the ability to recommend diversity training and one of the first things you got to look at when you talk about law enforcement is that the history of law enforcement has been dominated by caucasian males the first thing we gotta do is be truthful about where we are and where we're coming from that profession has been dominated by a white male population the first thing you got to do is you got to integrate you got to have diversity that was one of the first things that we did when we took office it's to diversify your agency because If I'm going to go out there and be a part of the community, I got to understand the community in which I'm a part of. Correct. Each culture has its differences, its idiosyncrasies. You know, when we shake hands, we clap and we hug. Other cultures, they shake hands, you know. We are very, we're people that we engage for, Mm -hmm. right? So you got to understand the culture. 100%. 100%. So
2: but, but going back to this this review board idea you have, you're saying that or sorry, not review board, a, a commission of accountability, a commission of accountability that would be underneath the attorney general. Exactly. I, I think reason why that idea is important to have is because right now in most of the police departments, they have what they call a internal, internal ref- affair. affairs. Right. And from my understanding, how an internal affairs depart- department is handled inside the police department is that it's a rotating amount of the superior officers or senior officers get to rotate in this position every so often. Exactly. They're selected to work there.
3: Yeah, The people that are working in your internal affairs in a police department or sheriff department are just officers and deputies that currently are assigned to internal affairs. So the reality is,
2: for example, if you and I started the police department at the same time, 10 years in, you could be a lead detective, and I could be in internal affairs. Exactly. And if a complaint comes against you, and we started out as beat cops together and we, we will patrol cops together, then if I see, if I have a bias, when that complaint comes in, I can
3: shove it under the rug. And it doesn't go any further than that. So you may not be able to shove it on the rug, but what you could do was you could control the narrative. You could control a lot of things about that. You understand, that? understand Yeah. So what you got to understand is that policing is a whole nother animal. So, for an example, a new guy coming onto a police department out of rookie school, out of BLET, basic law enforcement training, he's assimilating into a culture, right? Correct. His training officer is shaping his thought. You with me? Yeah. So, every five years, you're not the same person that you are, correct? That you were when I hired you there is no mechanism in place to balance and check that every five years, nowhere. The only place that does that is the federal government. Every five years an agent has to go back through investigation. They have to go back through background check. They have to go back through the social media platform, all of that. They basically reinvestigate the agent every five years. They run his credit scores. They run everything. Yeah, so
2: when I was in the military, I had a top secret security class. Exactly. And I think even ours was more stringent that every year we had some
3: type of mini review of who we were. Right. That is very expensive. So you think about it think about it. A law enforcement agency, small town or middle sized town, to every five years to go back and spend, whether it's polygraph, whether it's going back through uh, sitting down with an outside agency to come in and assess that officer for fitness, ask them questions about um, racial issues, measure all those things that we're seeing and having. The problem exists before it manifests. It's like having a bump on your neck. You feel the irritation before you actually see the bump. So what I'm saying is the problems that you see manifesting existed before the manifestation. Now, now,
2: one problem I do have with your your um, accountability of commission is that it,
3: it, it's still in the
2: government. Police, so, police in the police.
3: The police. It, it's still, because Josh signed it. But check this out. The difference of that is this, is that in the internal affairs, the people that are made of that commission, correct? the people that are made of an internal affairs, you work with them. Right. But if you have a commission of accountability in your state capitol under your AG's office, the people that sit on it have anonymity they don't even know who you are all they're looking at is that we received a report based on a b and c and then you could choose your commissioners who sit on it it could be law enforcement executives it could be a a entrepreneur like yourself it could be just like you have the i sit on the innocence committee in raleigh Mm -hmm. it could be people that the 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 ag or the governor they have handpicked they have vetted these people it doesn't have to be people who are all law enforcement. Yeah, I, I think it's even even
2: take it a step further because there's so much distrust in the right. in citizens it's and government. Period. I think what I think to solve that problem of how complaints enter to the police department, I think it's better if we had a community driven review board or community driven accountability board of maybe, I don't know, whatever size community you have, but say 10 to 12 regular citizens who are chosen every two years or so that review every single complaint that comes into A lot, the of, pro- a
3: lot of cities have uh, community review boards, but the problem with that is if you sit on a community review board, how likely are you to say something negative about a police officer and then the people that you're sitting on the board with say, well, you know, Max said this or that and he disagreed with you. But by having it set... Under the AG's office, it gives you that legitimacy. It gives it that anonymity. I, I think there has to be. A, I think there has to be a mix. Right. But I, exactly. I, 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 I like
2: your idea. It I has just, to
3: be a mix. It can't be just setting all LEOs their law enforcement officers. So let, let's
2: take this into account. Sorry, I know Go you got something to say about this, but but let's look at the officer in the Minneapolis situation. Mm-hmm. If there was not police, if there was not bystander footage of what happened to George Floyd. The first the initial police report that was he re, he resisted arrest and got into cardiac arrest during his his, his resisting arrest if,
3: if, if there wasn't video this whole incident would have been swept away the truth of the matter is a lot of incidents would have been swept away if we didn't have video right true, right? true. but we got to also put some policies and procedures in place too. correct so for an example we need and we had to interact based on a lot of things that that I'm seeing and have seen in my career, we're interjecting policies and procedures to adapt to changing times. Law enforcement is not the same law enforcement I entered into in 1984. Correct, right. right? So we have a we have a policy now. What is called a duty to intervene. What that means is that if you're the captain, you're the lieutenant, and I'm a patrol guy, I see my captain. And my lieutenant do something that is unethical, you know, you might call it snitching. You call it what you want to call it. But the fact of the matter, I've got to have something in the policy that I have a duty to intervene. But if something is not happening.
2: I think that's easy to write. I think that's easy to put into a book. But I think the reality is even myself, I'll, I'll go back to even my military days where I was a police officer. And we've done things that may have been unethical at the time in a time of war, a time or whatever. We're a group. We're a unit.
3: Right. I'm, I'm really probably not going to say nothing about it. Right. But here's the thing about it. Here's the thing. The first time that it's found out that you didn't say anything about it. Once you set the standard and you set the marching order, it becomes consistent. Because there's a culture that has existed
1: for so long. Yeah. And you've got to break that culture. You've got to break it. But in reality, how are you going to be treated if you're the officer? That does say something about it. Are you going to be ostracized by your other? But guess what? How are you going to be treated
3: when you captured on the video oh, not doing nothing? I agree. Look, I agree. Not doing nothing. I agree. Right.
1: No, I agree. You're going to be in handcuffs and you're going to be without a job. I, I but, got a question. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. But no, like that's that's that kind of goes to my point in terms of the accountability. Like right. I agree 100 percent with what you're saying, how you're going to how you going to react when you caught on camera. Exactly. That's why I feel that all of them should have body cams on at all times at all times any police interaction most major
2: police departments have body cameras but why isn't it it mandated kind of, why what? i mean just i know your police i know your your, your department has it right. anytime they respond to a call they the have policies. to have it on. they have to have it on but why isn't it this day and age in 2020 where we can we <laughs> see the man on the moon and see people in another country go ahead <laughs> why why isn't it mandated that every single law enforcement, if I was a law enforcement
3: right now, I would want my body cam on so I don't get blamed. Why doesn't every agency have one? Why doesn't it? Because you got to realize that in you, each county, each law enforcement department operates off of a budget. You with me? So, for example, my budget is public information. It's about $60 million, right? So, Somebody has to make a decision on where do we spend those dollars. So let's say I'm a small, a smaller agency, and I've got to make a decision on whether I buy upgraded cars or do I buy the Axon systems, the body camera systems. I've got to make a decision. I, I understand. And that. So
2: there, there's a lot of wasteful spending, not oh, in, course, not in departments, but in cities altogether. Course. And I think they should make it a priority that every single
3: law enforcement agency across the country has. And guess what? That's to my point. Mm-hmm. Once you have an agency that falls at that level, the accountability. A commission of accountability, they would have the authority to say, you know what? Here's what you need. Here's what you shall do. Correct. Right. you follow me yeah here's what you shall do yeah now well, go ahead sorry
1: i think that's a a, a good like, coa i think is what you're yeah calling. commission of accountability. accountability i don't I exist yet right does not i think we talked about this in 2015 the <laughs> biggest issue i think still is that it's attacked attached to a, another political um person in terms of the the ag So we have a huge distrust in society right now. But But here's the thing.
3: Here's the thing. Not to cut you. Here's the thing, right? The most powerful guy in the state is the AG. Mm -hmm. By placing it there, you give them authority in every part of the state.
2: I understand. And I I, I think it's better than nothing. I I think it's it's better than what we have. And And that
3: commission would have the ability... And it do not have to, the commission is just the name. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all law enforcement persons sitting on there.
2: I, I like 75% of your idea. I, I, I like all of it. I, probably, actually, nobody's gonna like 100%. No, no, no I, go I bet, ahead. I, I like your idea, but the reality is, I think that even going even further, I think the attorney general should still be in charge of it, but I think it needs to be localized. Because you know how you say that policing here, let's say in Winston. You could still have your community. And, um, and that's 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 the point I'm getting right
3: at. you still can have your community uh, in uh, oversight you could do that yeah you could do that that's great but how nice would it be to have that extra layer yeah I understand now now so now so now so get this so get this so now as a citizen I have a complaint on max maxwell right You with me? Mm -hmm. Not only am I going to attach my complaint to the local internal affairs office, right? I'm going to attach my complaint to the Commission of Accountability. Yeah, I want to get rid of internal affairs. Okay, whatever. But I'm saying so now there is a dual process going on. You have not only submitted it at the local level, you have submitted it at the state level. So now there's a complaint against Max Maxwell at the in the local police department or sheriff's office. And there's also one in Raleigh. So now when I come back and I say, okay, I wanna look at what took place at the local level Mm -hmm. based on the reports that we saw and based on reports that you saw, how did you come up with the results that you came up with?
2: I understand. So the reason why I asked you to come here is because, you know policing and police officers and deputies and sheriffs are usually the first encounter with the citizen on any type of problem, of course. And the next position they go if they're charged is to the district attorney's office. Of course, and Derek, as as a former district attorney assistant district attorney, um, what are some policies and things that you have seen over your 10 years at, at the office that you would probably want to change to Create a better system. What are some things that you you would do?
1: Oh, where to start? Um, I think <laughs> one of the, one of the main issues. Um, what I've been researching into is what's called progressive prosecution, um, and I think. I mean, it's not even. I think it's like we have the largest jail population in the world, mm-hmm. and so our 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 system is incentivized incentivized on convictions, uh, which then turns into this this cycle. Um, how are, how are convictions gonna affect citizens of the community? Are they gonna get jobs? Are they gonna resort to more, more crime, more violence, whatever it may be. Um, here in Versailles, uh, I think on a, on a local level, it's good to have a, a Bobby Kimbrough in place as a elected official, it's good to have a Katrina Thompson, who's the police chief, police chief, yeah, African, African-American African female. Uh, we have Judge L. Todd Burke, who is the um, Chief Resident Superior Court, exactly. Um, so we we have um, we started. We, yeah, we we've started uh, in this we, county. Correct, we started. Now, obviously, I think having more contact with the community that you're actually prosecuting is one place where I'd like to to see improvement. Um, one of the was I, I was a prosecutor for ten years, so I've been from district court all the way up superior. One of the district court judges that sticks out in my mind actually a couple of them, um, judge Hayes, who has since passed away, Mm -hmm. um, Roland Roland Hayes, Uh, he used to um, look out into the crowd and say that the courtroom looks like a black church with a few white visitors. Now this is district court. So there's only misdemeanors prosecuted, uh, within this, this courtroom, but you can see what the makeup of that body is and who is actually going to be affected by the convictions that occur in that Mm -hmm. particular courtroom. Um, the other judge is Judge Hartsfield. Um, I think Mr. Kimbrough here interviewed her on his uh, on his podcast. But what I liked about Judge Hartsfield is she has a connection to the community. Like she, she does, they they come Everybody into her home and they know her. She knows their family. She knows who, you know where they come from, what school they went to, and that's because she lives in the community. Now, how do you scale that over the the the, the range of our criminal justice system so that the prosecutors, the judges, the law enforcement are actually in that community and know know the people in it? Yeah. Um, That's a great question. Um, I think at the very least, um, there should be a community service element to prosecution. Uh, You should be able to be in the community, helping out in the same community that you're actually prosecuting. Um, It shouldn't be a situation where you're going back to your segment or your section of town away from the individuals that are affected most by your decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, I think there's a number of things you can do, um, as it relates on that front. I mean, from a, from a standpoint of trying to find ways outside of getting people convictions. I mean, we do have a deferred prosecution program. Um, I think they're making some changes to our expunction system, which is, uh, the ability to, to get old crimes or convictions or just charges in general off your record so that they're not caught up on background checks. Obviously that's going to affect your ability to get employment. Um, But for your your nonviolent misdemeanors and felonies and even just misdemeanors in general, that should be something that after a certain amount of time that you've proven uh, that you've you've turned over a new leaf, that's that should come off your record. Mm. And legislature hadn't necessarily caught up with that. uh, But those are some small changes that I think would affect the community uh, to the better as opposed to kind of having this this cycle of seeing the same faces. Unfortunately, those faces look like us in the courtroom over and over. What is your opinion on 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 like a
2: bail system, the the cashless bail system? What do you what what is your opinion on that? Because am am I mistaken, as as a as a district attorney working in district attorney's office, you guys also hear cases when it comes to bond reduction and stuff like that. Correct. What is your thought?
1: It it punishes poor people. I mean, just just a matter of fact, like, I mean, if you, if you have money, you can get out. If you don't, I mean, a $500 secured bail or bond, it, you know, to a homeless person might as well be a million dollar bond to me. And, and so if you don't have the funds, you're going to have to sit there until your court date. Sometimes things fall through the cracks. Um, and so that's, that's not, it's not ideal. Like I, I don't know how else to say this is not a situation where, um, you want to, prey on the the most unfortunate
2: so let me let me ask you a question about when you get a file over or you get a uh, what is the word I'm looking for you you get where you get that somebody's in charge the police officer is in charge the deputy yeah. has been charged what's the process that takes place how, how some of my questions are is why is it that I can the reality is if if I was if I had my knee on a dog's neck mm-hmm. for more than three minutes. And that dog was howling and and doing all that stuff. And that video landed in the sheriff's office and that video got to your desk. I'm going to say within a few hours of you guys seeing that video, if we were in business hours, you'd have a warrant and you'd be at my door. Why is it that police are not held to the same standards in the prosecution side of things, or they get the benefit of the doubt, or they get it, it's not happening as fast, I think, because the main reason why I think you see people are pushing to the streets is, yeah, the police chief did fire those four officers involved. Right. But three of them still out there. Right. Right. And how much evidence do you need or why is it a delay in prosecution or why is it we need to do an investigation? When if I would have had my my knee on a dog mm-hmm. for the same amount of time or half the amount of time, I would have been in jail right. in, in a matter of hours. So wh- wh- what's the prosecution? What's the way it, what, what happens? Why is it so swift and fast when I'm doing something and much slower when an officer of the law or somebody gets the benefit of the doubt? It's a million dollars question.
1: Like that's what we're here to try, to try to figure out. And I think that's why there's so much anger and resentment in the community as it, as it comes to, to law enforcement and the distrust. Um, take the situation in, in Georgia where it wasn't until two months after the fact that the video leaks out. And now it seems this the, is there's a, a the, the Ahmaud Arbery case, correct.
2: Two months after the video lands into the police department and the prosecution office, it wasn't until there was public outrage that, that some action was taken. I don't understand in the system itself. Right. So let, let's just say, I, I don't know, Bobby before, or maybe this is a question. I'm not sure what it is. when you arrest somebody, how long do you have to charge them? How, how long is it you, you can hold them without charging
1: them? You arrested somebody, you're charging them. That, that's, right. that's, that's, that's initiating the process yeah. of actually okay. I criminal proceedings against that individual.
3: Exactly.
2: So, so why is why does it take so long to come out with? Why is it so? I just don't understand why it's so fast on the civilian side and then everything else on the law enforcement side or anybody. It's it's a, such a let's do the investigation properly. Right. Is it just because there is more
1: eyes on the case or is it? I, I think that's part of it for sure. Um, whenever you have more eyes on it, that is going to breed more investigation. You're going to have uh, people that actually are in positions of power that can make changes to your, your position, um, looking at that situation. Um, so you're going to be a little more slower to move. But that, I think that's the, that's the issue. I think that's where the anger. That's why
2: from. they started in the streets. Correct. That's why the, that's why the marches started. That's why people were so angry and they're still angry because there's three more individuals that were clearly involved in the situation mm-hmm. that even the police chief of that, that city said, yeah, they need to be arrested. Right. Even the, the, the prosecuting attorney general, even before he was decided that he, that they made him the attorney general that night, he said that he feels like they should be arrested why does it take so long i know there's an investigation side
1: but are you talking about in the georgia situation specifically no i'm
2: talking about in in in, in uh, minnesota where the four officers were involved one finally did get charged and arrested the other three are still out there eating peanut butter sandwiches and watching cartoons well, i'm sure um
1: <laughs> i'm sure a lot of that had to do with who was going to end up prosecuting the case um i believe uh, mr ellison ended up with it as far as correct who's taking out charges but again it becomes a cya type situation and you, one office may be recusing themselves. The AG office may come in and, and take it over and decide that they're going to prosecute, especially since it's such a high-profile pro- case at this point. Um, but I do think that in that situation, things were handled better in terms of the prosecution point. Right? I think the issue in the in the George Floyd case is the the just maliciousness of the officer under the circumstances, but is the way it's been handled by the 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 powers that be, as far as Mr. Ellison, as far as the, the police chief and that, and that, I think he acted pretty swiftly under the surface. The police chief did, but the prosecuting side did. Yeah.
2: So the person that sits in the, the position that Bobby sits in made his decision and got rid of him. Now, Bobby, a question. D- do you feel like, um, it, okay, for example, if somebody, if an officer ended up in an incident and the city or the county had to pay out some type of settlement, does that officer still keep their job?
3: What type of incidents you're talking about? Car wreck incident? What do you what do you referencing? Yeah,
2: I, I guess there's a bunch of different incidents. Yeah, there's a difference right? in incidents. So, so if, you said if, an if, incident, yeah, yeah, correct. So if there's if there's some type of uh, excessive force, uh, because we've we've seen it where they're, for example, going back to the George Floyd case, the, the officer there, I don't know his name, but he was the Asian officer that was on scene. He already had several complaints. Matter of fact, they had a lawsuit where they had to pay twenty thousand dollars for him. I don't I can't I can't think anywhere in America where you get a job where you cost your employer twenty thousand dollars that you keep your job.
3: Well, I can't speak to agencies across the country. Police departments have a process and a sheriff's office. The sheriff has the ability to fire and hire at will. So, for example, a sheriff could fire you based on whatever. Correct right Mm -hmm. we're in a police department because there are unions and so many things involved they have the ability to go through the process and be heard and overturned and heard Mm -hmm. so a lot of times you have cases just continuously going through the system and officers end up getting reassigned off of patrol to somewhere else to somewhere else but I, i think that there are so many things that we have not addressed yet that brought us to this point. We have never addressed that we have a race relationship problem in this country. We do. And until we address those fundamental race issues, incidents like this will continue to pop up because at the end of the day, think about this, how I see you will determine how I respond to you. How I see you will determine how I respond to you, how I treat you, what I do to you. You gotta, we gotta see that that when you look at a black man or a person of color, they have just as much right as anybody else does. We've gotta address some issues that are seated in this country for hundreds of years. I was looking at one of your your, your, your viewers, and he was texting something and said that this goes further back than Emmett Till. The racism and the it goes further back than that. Right.
2: Yeah, but I think that that issue in itself is something that is so hard to tackle. And I and I, and I but, but, but even but I, I agree thing. and I agree with everything you you're saying. Up,
3: it shows up. shows up in every aspect of life. Right
2: and 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 i and I, I agree with you 100% and i think that that issue is so large and i don't, and i personally don't think that's an issue we will ever solve in mankind history i don't believe that is an issue that we can ever wipe off because hate is taught and you can't stop from people teaching things true so my 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 my, my thing that i want to leave here with today uh-huh. is some action steps that how do we diversify the police force mm-hmm. how do we diversify law enforcement so that you, you got to understand this we all we all we all know Piedmont projects, right? Of course. Okay. Most people in this city will never step foot inside of that, right? So when you are a law enforcement officer mm-hmm. and you get a call to Piedmont and you know about Piedmont, you're already going to be on high alert. You don't feel comfortable being in there. You're going to be you you're just going to be tensed up.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now you take somebody like yourself. Mm-hmm. You're from that side of town. Of course. So as a, as a as a deputy or as a patrolman you don't have the same type of feelings that somebody that will never and heard about that place don't visit that place, you gonna walk in there with a totally different view. Of course. And I think that is how you solve the reactions and how people are mistreated because they're gonna go in there in a very high tensed up situation. We all know about adrenaline. We all know about all of that stuff. And if, if an officer that is afraid to go in there off duty, goes to respond to a call he's going to he's going to react different if if he goes to Clemens or he goes to the west side of town it's a totally different response
3: and a lot of times mike we talked about this before how an officer responds to something has a lot to do with how he sees it yeah his level of training Mm -hmm. and there's respect for that what he's dealing with there's a lot of issues that are running around but well how do we change this how do we move forward you got to demand diversity in your departments you gotta man that, demand that. Yeah. You know, you gotta be mindful of the people you put in office.
2: Okay. And, and, and that's to my point. We need to because your position that you sit in now
3: is is an elected position. Exactly. The people have to vote in who they're gonna sit in their position. So the when, people have to vote in who they sit in the AG's office. Correct. The people have to vote in who they sit in the president's office. And and
2: and I believe that local elections are are just super important without question because it 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 allows them people to shape our other community i think we've done a fine job in Forsyth county heading in the right direction on shaping our elected officials to the way that our makeup and the dna of our county we have we have a a black sheriff we have a black police chief we have a, a judge that sits on a high stand that that black is African American. Yeah, and I believe because we have those black superintendents, we're superintendent. heading in the right direction. I think that a lot of people need to pay attention to the local elections because the local elections is what's going to start this movement. But, Without question. But I, I want what are what are I want people to understand the system. That's why I brought you here, um, because when they leave here, I need them to go ask or demand these things from the people Correct. who that they're putting in charge. Correct. I'm not voting for you just because you're black. I'm not voting for this because they're Republican. I'm not voting for them for the the Democrat. I need you to be on these these issues that are pressing in my community. And I think we need to arm people with the things that they need to demand because they're angry. They're in the streets. They're marching. They're marching every night. And they have a right to be angry. And they
3: listen. And I have no problem with that. We just none. We just just got a son. My son is protesting. He's marching in the streets. Right. I support. The protests. I support peaceful protests without question. I, I, I'm sure most. But then, just like you said, we got to have an action plan. Correct. We have people listening now that were not listening before. Absolutely. You have the attention of the world. They're talking about this in London. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. And marching and protesting in London. So now, now, we need an action plan. Correct. Now we need to decide what are we going to demand? What are we wanting? We've got to have diversity on these things. We've got to have a uh, cultural training. We've got to have people in places and we've got to have accountability. You've got to have it. So as a leader of even sometimes when it's uncomfortable. To do the right thing, you've got to do that.
2: So so one of your top suggestions is to have the people reach out to their attorney general or their senators or the people that are are at bay at their in their state and have them ask for some type of accountability. Mm -hmm. There needs to be an accountability commission for each department or each state so that that police are held accountable and they're not allowed to police themselves.
3: In the federal government, they have what is called O.P.R. Office of Personnel Responsibility. That group basically, for lack of better words, police the agents. For lack of better words, if you do something, that's the agency that investigates you. When you have police officers, you're giving people a lot of authority to go out here in a community. A police officer has a lot of discretion when he stops you on the side of the road. Remember this. When he or she stops you on the side of the road they have the ability to verbally warn you they have the ability to give you a written warning they have the ability to give you a written citation and a lot of times that is the beginning of a lot of african americans or people of color introduction into the system you with me that same officer could have given you a verbal warning, Mr. Maxwell, slow down. He could have. So, my point is that we've got to have people in these agencies, in these police departments, that we've got to vet them. We've got to vet them every so often. Every five years, minimum. Of- every five years, what the government does. You got to. Because you're not the same person that you are when I hired you. You're not
2: understand. We, we had a question uh, teed up from one of our viewers here about I think it's about the qualified uh, immunity. Um, what is everybody's take here on on qualified immunity? Do you do you know what that is with, within the police departments or law enforcement? Qualified immunity? Yeah, so they're saying qualified immunity is a law that shields government officials from being sued for their actions
3: while on duty. Only people I know they have qualified immunity is the judges, uh, the district attorney's office, yeah. right? But a police officer can be sued. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The so, sheriff can be sued. So so, po- so 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 a police officer that's found guilty could actually be civilly sued. As well, personally. Personally. Yeah. So a police officer doesn't have qualified immunity. He can be, he or she can be sued.
2: So they don't. They don't have that. Yeah. Okay, that's so that's. I, I yeah, I don't. I don't understand. I, I didn't have. I, I didn't know anything about that. So that doesn't. Uh, that that, that that's interesting there. So there, there's there's a lot, and and I'll be a fool to even think that I could. That I could even solve this problem in this in this short amount of time. Um. You know, somebody's here is asking questions about. You know, what what is everybody's take on on private prisons? or the privatization of prisons, that, that there is, they're, they're not federally owned and ran, that it's, it's a prison for profit system, that there there's a racket going on. What is your take
1: on that, Derek? Obviously I'm against it. I think it incentivizes the wrong thing. I think that- Of course, why, of course. While we're the leading nation in, in terms of people that are incarcerated, especially if it's- a, I,
2: I, I think it's sick to think that
3: Somebody is making a profit off of, off of somebody going to prison. Right. I, I don't I don't I don't agree with that privatizing, them, but they are. Got it. That's that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, yeah.
2: I, 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 when I learned that you can invest into prisons or companies that literally on the stock market, companies that own that they're in the business of owning prisons and building prisons, it floored me um it floored me so so let's let's go back to uh, a, a, an action item you know sheriff if if you were well, you are speaking to these people if you had to go tell these people to go do something today mm-hmm. a couple act in in your own words what what would you tell them to do what what action items if if you can if you had a loud megaphone and everybody and and, and, I, and I will commend the people of my county the citizens of my county your county that we we've, we've been able to have peaceful protests um and and i sh- I, I think that I comes down for that i think the people of um, this county i that. think that comes down to the, the leadership that we have in this county and that we have we have not only you know a good police chief and a sheriff but we also have leader citizens in in this in this county that that can help facilitate that we have peaceful protests and and a reason why i believe our protests are peaceful is because people actually get to hear they feel like you're, they're being heard.
3: Because- exactly. You've you got to give the people a voice. There are some things that you can, like, for example, every quarter we hold a public forum. Every quarter we hold a public forum where the citizens can come out, question, and get an answer on any issue that has happened in their county. Right? You have to be involved. What I would say to the people as they go back, go back to your local agencies and and demand diversity what is the diversity makeup in your police department so who would they ask in their city the mayor the mayor what is the makeup of diversity in our police departments that's another thing okay once you once you find out the diversity of it ask how often do they have cultural diversity training ask
2: so what, what, it, what is that? Yeah, what, yeah, exactly. What is cultural diversity? Is that you sit so, an officer so, down
3: and give him fried
2: no, chicken? So what that is,
3: what that is, is that they bring we bring people in to talk about issues and make them uncomfortable and have real conversations about diversity, because there are some conversations that certain parts of America won't have with me and you. But they'll have it at home at the kitchen table amongst themselves
1: i think again from a transparency issue like when when you made that statement about diversity training it sounds good but to the outside looking in you don't know what that encompasses i can i can think of when we used to do cle's okay for 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 law we have to do a certain amount of hours right you you bide your time till you you get through it. a lot of time Mm -hmm. the subject matter interests you you pay attention you learn something a lot of the times you you might be on your phone you might be but you, you, you served your training um, but from the outside looking in, we don't know what that training encompasses for diver- you know, diversity training. it would
2: be right. good. I'd be I'd be interested to see or watch or or be a part of, of some counties or some police department's diversity training. Right. Just be I'll invite you. I'll invite Just you. Be interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'll invite I'll you. I'll take you up on that.
3: But you got to realize that you have, in some cases, officers. White officers who have never come in contact with people of color until
2: they became an officer. They become an officer. That's scary.
3: Until they became an officer.
2: So do you so in in all fairness, do you think that person is fit to be in an in in a county that may be a 50, 40 makeup percentage of people? I mean, so
3: I you know, I, I think we again, Max, you got, we gotta be have real conversations and we gotta have real conversations. Yeah. When I came out of Quantico as a young boy being raised and worked here in Winston in North Carolina, and my first duty assignment was Detroit, Michigan as an agent, that was a cultural shock to me. Mm-hmm. A total cultural shock. The same thing is happening with the white officer who has come from a certain part of the county, and all of a sudden they come to a job that
1: all you got to have is a high school diploma. I want to touch on that too. Of course. Is there a consideration as to um being a minority working in a predominantly minority area of town from a from a law enforcement standpoint when you're assigning people to patrol certain areas of the county is it okay well you may need to be over in this area because you may look at things a little bit differently than like the white officer did or white deputy described it had never come in contact with a black person until so you think
3: about it when you got major police departments that have two three thousand officers right Think about how difficult it is to hand pick an officer and say, "Okay, I'm going to sign you, I'm going to sign you, I'm going to sign you here." All of these things, when you go through the process, the vetting process, the psychological, and all of these things, people are just going out checking box, about, check about, check a box, right? Sometimes you'll find, now nah, maybe you need to choose another profession, but sometimes you set that person in an environment that they've never been exposed to never so the question becomes how do you monitor that my thoughts on that is, is that when we bring people in as new hirees right my partner is not department is not that large 600 about 640 650 right i sit down one-on-one with new hirees let's talk right i want to feel for them before I set them in a school, before I set them in the county of various parts, because I feel like I have a responsibility. This is, not, this, this is serious business, serious business. So to go back to your question, we gotta demand some things. We gotta speak about this diversity. We gotta talk about this accountability. Because guess what? I was having the same conversation this same conversation when uh Mr. Martin passed Trayvon Martin exactly when Trayvon passed well you wrote I a talk, book I talked with his father when his father came to union and he and I sit and talked. you cried with him you you wrote a book in 2015 exactly called surviving the stop exactly why as at that time you were still active at that time, I was a year out of retirement. I, you, was, getting, I was one year from
2: retirement. So you were, you were just retiring as a federal officer or federal agent, mm-hmm. and you felt compelled to write a book about how to survive the
3: stop. What made you... Max, let me tell you this, man. I've said this, is that I'm a black man. I'm going to be black when I'm no longer in law enforcement. I was black before I ended law enforcement. I have been stopped and profiled as a black man, as a black agent. You know, the guys that I work with, you could go to the GRO, the Greensboro Resident Office, and they would tell you me and my partner were coming from Atlanta, uh, coming through South Carolina uh, in a hoopty, right? A hoopty, an official government trapped vehicle. We were stopped in profile. And until we told the man who we were, the game changed. But if I wouldn't have had that gold badge, he would have treated me differently. I was boarding a plane with another agent, Raz, on the way to Texas. And when you're an agent traveling arm, you have to check in at the gate. We showed the gate agent who we were. He called down to the pilot for the pilot to come up and meet us. You with me? The pilot came up, saw a white agent and a black agent. He was talking to the white agent and he said uh, would a prisoner be traveling handcuffed (laughs) as in you. I looked around because I thought somebody was behind me and I said to the to the pilot, sir, you have me confused. I got on meslin shoes and an Imani suit. Do I look like I'm a prisoner? As a matter of fact, he's my junior agent. And what you did was you let your ignorance come forth. So I understand racism, I understand profiling as a federal agent that happened to me. I could give you another example on surveillance. I can give you an example, the most heartfelt example. These are documented examples I'm giving you. On surveillance, we're filing somebody into a local county The person we filed and checked into a hotel. My GS, my group supervisor asked me to go into the hotel, show my credentials, ask the manager, what room did that person check into? I did just that, Showed them my credentials. Gold badge, it says DEA in English. (laughs) She pushed the panic button. This one, we had next tails. I'm standing there on the radio. My guys that are out there on the perimeter say the police are coming hot and heavy. Is everything all right in there? I'm standing there saying yes. As I stand there, two big guys run up in there. I understand what it's like. I'm not immune from the things that. Every other black person is immune. I'm not immune from nothing as a because I'm a black L.E.O. Because the moment I get in my car and go south, east, north, or west, don't nobody know that I'm the sure sheriff once I get to South Carolina, Atlanta, I'm just another Negro driving, period, period. I understand that. I'd be foolish to think that. So trust me. I understand what's happening, what's going on. And that is why I speak how I speak. Because we have to address these issues. I have black kids, sons. All of them are driving but two. Remember, I have seven. Five of them are driving throughout this country and this state. I understand what's happening in America. I cried when I saw that. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about that, Max. Yeah. I cried when I saw that. I cried before that. I've been crying since 15 when I went to Trayvon Martin. Was that 15? or 13? 14? I, can't, I, I remember can't remember what year it was. They all blur together. Exactly. Time. I cried when that happened, man. I went out to uh, Minneapolis on the case that Judge Hatchett had. I went out there with her to consult on one of them. Is that the Flanjo? Philangel- That's the Constance? kid where the kid was running. The police shot him, and they determined it. thirty he... times. Yes. Like that. no, 50 not times. When he was running, they said he had a shot and shot while he was running. Right. I have actually been out there with some of these lawyers that you were talking about. They're looking at these cases. Trust me.
2: Yeah.
3: I feel the pain. I see the hurt. When my son sits down and talks to me, it's twenty-five. I see the tears in his eyes. I'm a human being. Forget that I'm a, the sheriff. Forget that. That's irrelevant. Yeah. When you see me, you don't see I'm the sheriff. You see a black man with a suit on. And If I put some sneakers on, you see a black man with sneakers on. And if I put my hat on backwards, you say, OK, I see an old man that wants to be young. I'm still black in America. Make no mistake about that.
2: Well, before we wrap it up here, um, first of all, I want to be respectful to both of you's time. And I I wanted everybody to leave here with some action items. So I think it's important. And this is coming from 36 years of law enforcement experience that he says there needs to be a review or, or accountability commission. And. And we need to, as citizens, go out and call our attorney generals. We need to uh, speak to our mayor. One is we need to call our attorney general and ask for a accountability commission office. Without question. We need to call our mayors and ask for that. Each law enforcement officer within the, the law enforcement go through a five year. Review like a rehiring process all over because every individual in the world changes every five years, and that way we can weed out the bad apples inside of our police departments and sheriff's departments. We have to remember that the gentleman that put his knee on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 49 seconds, and he laid lifeless for two of those minutes, had 17 plus or 16 plus incidents over his 19-year career. And if we would implement some of these, if we would implement some of these actual strategies that the sheriff is asking us to do, that person would have never been in office for more than five or six years. Um, Derek, you had some you had some action items I think you wanted people to go out and take what, what, what should
1: people go out and take? Um, local elections have consequences. Um, so I, I think you have to become involved locally. Uh, we're fortunate to have Sheriff Kimbrough. Um, we're fortunate to have. Judge Burke, Katrina Thompson. So when you have those individuals in the positions of power, you have an ear that can listen. Mm-hmm. So from an action standpoint, you need to organize your, your neighborhood, your community, so that when you bring them to the table, you have a unified message to communicate to them so that they can make top-down changes to show that they're being responsive uh, to what the community needs are. But it can't be this fractured individual um, comments coming, coming all at this, this top official. Yeah, um, I think so. You you have to you have to become involved in local elections. Um, I also think that body cams are a must. There is a lack of accountability and there's a lack of transparency. And I think when you when you have a, a thin blue line, which is real and you can you can see that based on the fact that sometimes you see police reports corroborate was actually on videotape. But a lot of times they'll go back and try to change what was said in the police report after the tape comes out. Mm-hmm body cams are a must and they gotta be turned on and there has to be re- repercussions in police interactions when they're not, especially when some of these, these events occur. Um, the only reason we know about any of these instances is because they're caught on camera. Not by the officer. Not yeah. by the officer. But uh, imagine if there was nobody, there was no public and there was nobody there to witness these, these events. How many things have been swept under the rug because there hadn't been a camera there? Yeah. So I think there's a huge trust issue. So body cam is a must, mm-hmm. It's an absolute must. Um, I would say you have to get involved in the community. From a, from a law enforcement side of things, ideally, you would have law enforcement um, policing the area of, of a community that they're actually from. I think knowing the individual pre- presents a different perspective than seeing an individual with dark skin, a hat on backwards, and tennis shoes on. And you're, and you're not from that area. You dress like that a lot and you, <laughs> while you were the district attorney. Facts. And just like Mr. Kimbrough said, I'm still black. You know, once I got outside of Forsyth County, nobody, my authority ended, nobody knew who I was and nobody cared. So I, I think that whether it be from the judge's perspective, from the district attorney's perspective or from law enforcement, um, you, you need to be involved in the community, especially the most vulnerable community that you are affecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there needs to be a presence there so that you're actually hearing their needs and looking at them like, like people. You know, who make
3: the you know I saw one of your know, viewers they talked about um politics, right? Um who make the laws and what are they politicians?
1: Well, legislature,
3: and what are they? People, politicians, right?
1: Well, yeah,
3: right to engage in politics Correct. is a politician, right? Correct. So my point is that <clears throat> When we talk about the politics, politics play a lot in all of these. You'd be foolish not to get into politics. I was reading that and somebody was saying politics, right? Politics drive a lot of laws. All of them. Thank you. Politics is a major driving force. So we got to understand that a lot of this is politically driven. Don't be fooled. Right. And so, I mean, you you know, the takeaways, simple. One of them is we got to vote. Second is we've got to ask for some, you know, people say, well, we're asking somebody to save us, right? We're not asking nobody to save us. We've got to go and say, this is what we want. I need a diversified police department or law enforcement agency. These are things. Then we gotta ask. We gotta demand.
1: Yeah, there has to be a unified message too. Yeah, and so
3: when we walk in and when we protesting, what are we asking for? Exactly. We don't. We don't know yet. Exactly. Well, I,
1: I know we're asking for justice. What are we asking for?
2: We're asking for justice, but we need to really ask what we're asking for. Right. We we really need to have that message. We want diversity in our police department. Okay, and
1: and you well, want accountability so that when something like this happens, the, the public believes that it's going to be held accountable. And you know what I think? Yeah. I think the public is is is
2: okay with saying, look, there's going to be some people in the police department that are just going to do some bad crap. Right. But it's the action of the people in charge of those officers or those deputies on what type of step you take. You should help. You each department law enforcement agency should hold. It's deputies or it's police officers or it's agents to a higher
3: standard than it holds a regular citizens. You want equality in application of I that. agree with that. Make no mistake about it. I agree with that. So should we know, increase
2: the standards? Absolutely. I believe that having a GED or a high school diplomas doesn't, doesn't give you enough to probably because statistically saying, I think you and I talked about this a while ago. Statistically, that listen, most of these incidents come from the people that in the, the police department, law enforcement agencies that just don't have a, don't have
3: a college degree. And on I'm not saying- I'm level, not, On the federal level, that's the minimum requirement. You have to have
2: it. And I, I think there needs to be an increased standard. Degrees. There needs to be an increased
3: standard of in who could become a cop. I agree with that. So, but yeah. the only way you're gonna do that is you gotta change some requirements. You gotta get people that can get into these offices and change these office these these requirements you got to the top law enforcement official in every state is the ag mm-hmm. the attorney general
2: so one thing that you know like in uh i think there should be what they call term limits as well too absolutely so in every elected position i think there should be term limits
3: just like there's two terms on the presidency yeah eight
2: years you got to go there should be term limits on every elected official that they can't just keep running and running and running i just think that's one of the things how you you change the game because people are cemented in their position which means they they have this power this extra power because they they've been there for 20 years
3: people change the game
2: correct so I think, I think one thing we have to recognize how much power we have as people, but we need to point that power in the right direction and we need to have a unified message and to go out and ask. And like I said before, I'd be foolish to think that we can solve all these problems in this one hour conversation. But I think the conversation needs to be going the right way. I think we need to stop saying, stay away from politics because that's foolish. <laughs> politics is what makes your laws. You just need to know how to pick the right people. You know, you need to know what to, you need to be involved, you need to go out and vote. I encourage everybody listening to this. Everybody's going to watch this later. You need to go out and vote. It matters. And You need to find not just vote because they're black or vote because they're Democrat or vote because they're Republican. Ask them what they're going to do for you and your community and your loved ones and make your decision based upon that and hold them to that standard. I think that's important. My my brother had a, my older brother had a conversation with me today and he, and he said one of the biggest problems is that we're asking our oppressors for equal for equality and, and for justice. And one thing I think that we need to, to do is to look on a broader scale. We need to we need to go to a bigger body than our, that the people or the system that, that we say is broken. Yes, we can fix it in the meantime, but I think somebody, we need to go talk to, we need to go talk to United Nations and ask for human rights. And, and I think that's one thing that Malcolm X was doing and he was teaming up with Malcolm uh, Martin Luther King to do that, to go ask a larger body, a bigger body, a more powerful body to oversee that we as people have human rights here in America, that everybody has the same human rights. And I think nobody would be opposed to that. So, you know, I, I appreciate both of you for joining me in this conversation. The pleasure was mine. Um, there's going to be many more. There's going to be a different host. It's not going to be me. It's going to be different guests. And I think we continue this conversation. I think if we continue this conversation and move in the right direction, we can go out and, and, and start to make a change. Keep protesting. Keep peacefully protesting. But while we're out there, make sure we need action items. And we've given some action items tonight. Um, if you text the convo to 44222, we have a simple document or a website that will give you all the politicians in your state, in your city, in your county, that you need to be calling. You need to be emailing and and over the next few days i'll try my best my team to put together some resources so that you guys can go out and ask for the right things but keep doing what you're doing keep marching but we need a unified message we need to fix this and the only way we do it is if we have a unified message and we all demand the same thing so i appreciate you guys tuning in tonight maybe i won't see you next time there'll be another host here and i appreciate my guest Pleasure well, Max. and uh Keep fighting a good fight, y'all, and we'll, we'll see you on the other side.